You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Good evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you listen to this. This is the latest episode of Scottish Football Fans uh, podcast. John's told me I have to say it's season 11, episode 51, so there you go. That's that job done, over and done with, out of the windy. So, I am host of the day, Jeff, and I am joined by absolute regular John, not the one who told me off, the other one. Uh, John, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, Jeff. Yeah, I, I normally, when I do um, my, my guests, I just go um, the latest episode to keep me right. Oh, it was John, it's John who gets, he gets pure angry if you don't do the episode number. Yeah, oh, you don't want to make him angry. I mean, he's the top host at the end of the day, so we better um, keep him sweet. Oh, yeah. He just wants to make sure people are ticking it off in their wee diaries. That's it. Uh, so, <laughs> we, we are joined today for this special uh, with Kevin. Kevin, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, and we are joined all the way from Italy because we're now continental and worldwide. Uh, Maro, Maro, how are you? No, fine. Thank you. Um, good evening to everyone. And thank you very much again for inviting me. It's really a pleasure. Absolutely. It's an absolute joy, my friend. Absolute joy to have you on here. Shows that we are continental and our reach is never ending. Um, so today we are doing a special on space in Scotland, really, isn't it? Full stop. Uh, being a Tartan Army foot soldier, and why you two fine gentlemen who are joining us today, the, the work you've done as whilst being a Scotland fan, to be fair. Uh, so we'll start off probably where, where you know where people might know you for best. Kevin, you're the author of The Kilt, Chances, Dancers and Romances, one of the best-named books I've ever read in my life. Thank um, you. You're more than welcome. Um, so what got you into what got you into doing uh, doing the books about Scotland? I know, obviously, your money goes to the Tartan Army, so I'm trying to be able to see even, even better, much. Far too good, far yeah. too good a guy, my friend. Yeah. No, um, I used to tell people what happened on various trips. And um, a few of them said you should write a book. And a number of books had already been written about the sort of fans' experience. So I thought I would try and merge real stories with an element of black humour. And in the first book, somebody is trying to kill a Scotland fan to lay claim to the clan title, clan chief of the clan McClackett. And um, he's an ex-SAS officer and been in Northern Ireland, the works, and basically just gets defeated by fans getting up to what fans get up to. And uh, the second book is a continuation. Uh, the first book was set in the qualifiers for France 98, and the second book is taking the fans to France 98. But there's a parallel story where two Northern Irish terrorists, one Catholic, one Protestant, are looking for money that had been scammed off the IRA and the UDA a few years ago. And the uh, two road trips, one final destination. There's your 30-word speech, sum up, pitch, whatever. Yes, just how much of that is based on real-life events and how much of it is fiction? Well, the the Irish guys are complete fiction. Um, It's it's funny... um, uh, the guy who helped me write the book, he was driven, he was an American lovely guy called Wayne Milstead, and he was driven mad by the fact that it had to be in a linear, completely linear um, way, method of writing. 
because the games dictate the path of the book. And so in, in the book, they meet two gorgeous American women in Bordeaux. And this, that didn't actually happen in Bordeaux. That happened in Paris, eh, no, Paris, eh, New York, eh, the night after the Columbia Friendly in 1998. And um, virtually every word of that scene is true. And this American girl's reaction to guys in kilts, her reaction to the death of Princess Di, her when she admitted that she wore a daytime smell and, night, and a nighttime smell, and every guy's jaw just hit the ground. Never heard of such a concept, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, so certain parts of the book are true. The financial services aspect as well, that's based on my life in financial services, which was very brief and not nice. successful. Some entrance, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Mario, you are also uh, a writer about Scotland, but how did, firstly, but you are also good friends with Kevin, are you not? So yeah. how, did, how did you two become uh, such uh, close associates, shall we say? I would say that it is maybe because it is a bit strange to have an Italian following Scotland, so maybe that's uh, the reason why we kept in touch, maybe. Anyway, we, the first time we met was in San Marino 2000, uh, October 2000. It was not actually in San Marino, but it was in Rimini, outside the Rosencrown pub, which is, I think, quite famous for its cotton farms. It has been the headquarters for many uh, uh, sessions before the games in San Marino. And we were already in touch because I used to buy Aggie Supper, which was the fanzine that Kevin was doing um, back then, almost 20 years ago. Um, as you do um, after being in touch for a couple of years, I think, over the internet, it was always nice to uh, meet in person and share a pint. We did not share a pint at that time specifically because Kevin was uh, selling his fanzine. And while me and my friends were more interested in having uh, a few drinks before the game, from moving up to uh, the Olimpico in uh, San Marino. So we just shook hands and bought a, cup, a copy of Agi Supper. And that was the beginning of our friendship. And then after that, um, that game, we kept in touch and we pretty much made the point of meeting up for a fine um, before and after every Scotland game I traveled to. So the last time was in Vienna in September for the, uh, the very important game, important victory, which was also a, a strange game to be to attend because it was, as you know, uh, there was no official allocation uh, for Scotland fans. So it was a bit of a very hot atmosphere with uh, around a couple of hundred of Scotland fans who actually made to the game anyway. Um, without having the chance to congregate in the same section. But it was a brilliant uh, pre-match in the proper. We had a couple of pints and we tried to make it as similar as a proper away game as you possibly could in under those circumstances. I mean, that, that just encapsulates what's, um, what international football should be about. And, uh, you know, when, oh, you know, Fans from what um, rival countries, so to speak, you know, just come together uh, and if and you no know, forming that friendship, still keep going 
what nearly tw- um, 21 and a half years later. I think that's just uh, incredible. But um, Mauro, I mean, I understand you had a long association with Scottish football even before then, and I'm intrigued um, as to, you know, why an Italian took such an interest in Scottish football going back to like, Mexico 86. So this is even pre-Italian 90 World Cup. Uh, well, it, this is a very tough question for me to answer in the sense that I can pretty much figure out how I got involved in Scotland uh, in Scottish football and developing an interest in Scottish football and especially in Scottish in Scotland national team. And uh, what is very difficult for me to answer is, is why. Um, I tried to answer that question many, many times over the years, but never been able to come up with uh, an accurate answer. Um, how I got into Scottish football? Well, um, my interest dates back to um, the World Cup in Mexico '86, but of course back then I was just six years old, so it was just a fascination, fascination, nothing more than that. And I was collecting uh, stickers, Panini stickers, and for one reason or another, a couple of Scottish players just stuck in my mind: Gordon Strachan, Graham Souness. And basically, as the, the World Cup progressed uh, without Scotland, unfortunately, um, the, those two names and also the tracksuit that Scotland was wearing, uh, were wearing at the time somehow just stuck in my mind. And uh, of course, then Italy 90 uh, came, and it was, of course, mm, slightly different for us as Italians because. Unlikely what happened with Mexico 86, with Italy 90, there was a huge uh, media coverage of um, all the teams that were taking part in the, in the competition and with the fans, or, um, the fans as well. So that was my first taste of what Scotland was actually about, apart from uh, just a few images and flashes coming back from Mexico. Um, I still remember um, there was a, an interview, uh, a journal, Italian journalist was interviewing a few Scotland fans in a pub in Genoa, and I still remember that he was basically forced to down a couple of pints of Guinness before the interview actually started by those fans. And there was a, that was a, an image that remained, and it was my first taste of Scotland fans. So, um, but then it was still a matter of fascination and no, not a specific interest. It was just with Euro 96, I would say that I started classifying myself as a Scotland fan because that's when I started to actually follow the qualifying campaign and trying to gather as much information about, um, about the team um, through Italian newspapers because back then, of course, internet was not widely available or it was not available at all. And it was living in a small town in the northeast of Italy was a little bit difficult for me to get hold of uh, foreign newspapers. So it was mostly being through the paper of sport, which I'm probably many people in, the, in Scotland know, which is, is I mean, quite famous uh, Italian daily newspaper. And back then it used to carry some articles and reports about uh, international games, Scotland games included. And of all things, also to Teletext, which back then in Italy provided quite a few information, almost alive, uh, about the qualifying campaign that was taking place. So that's with, it is probably with Euro 96 that I started my uh, involvement 
in spontaneous team and I remember that I almost broke my my hand celebrating uh, McCoy's goal uh, against Switzerland and I was jumping around the kitchen because I was watching the game in the kitchen because my father were, wanted to watch the England game and when he scored I was jumping around the kitchen and I hit the, the door and almost broke my hand so probably that was the my beginning uh, the beginning of my career, if you want to call it that way, uh, as a Scotland fan. Uh, well, then, of course, um, that in terms of being an armchair fan, uh, as a proper fan in the sense of attending games, we started, as I mentioned, in 2000 uh, in San Marino, which was almost on my doorstep. It was like four, four hours and a half on the train. And that's how we started. After that, I made it to around 40 Scotland games over the years. And basically traveling every time I had a chance to um, for the, for the team and also for the friendship that and the connection that they made over the years with people like Kevin, for example, and a few others that I still uh, enjoy to meet um, around the game for a few pints and a chat. I mean, uh, to be fair, you've also written a book on your hand and uh, like uh, if you expect back in. Uh, of your time as a Scotland fan. So what was your inspiration behind your book? Was it uh, was it just to try and share your story wider the field than just in Scotland or, or was it just a, just, just a therapeutic thing to get your stories down on paper? Well, the, the book is um, a cultural history of the Scotland support. So um, there is no um, personal experiences uh, as such. Um, but I just use them uh, also as a source of material to try to describe what um, Scotland support is and has been over the years. Uh, the idea of the book came about in uh, 2019. I just released my first book, which was about, which is about uh, youth subcultures in the Victorian era. And both me and the publisher were rather happy with the result. And so we sat down and started discussing a possible, um, a possible project uh, for, a future, for a future book, for um, another book. Um, so I put forward a few ideas, um, which were specifically about um, topics that I'm really interested in, because that's not my daily job. So I needed something that I could research and work on. Uh, after eight or nine hours in, in the office, so nothing that was outside my uh, my area of interest. Um, I was lucky because my publisher is a keen football supporter as well. He followed um, Marseille, which is a, a rather small team playing in, at the moment. I think they're playing in the fourth uh, fourth division in Italy. So anything connected with football uh, is always welcome in his, in his publishing company. Um, why I started researching on this topic is, or the reason why I wanted to write about this topic is because um, in the last few years, mostly thanks to Facebook, we have an increase of people here in Italy uh, that uh, proclaim, proclaim on define, classify themselves as Scotland fans. Um, most of them don't do not travel to games. And unfortunately, this led to a few misconceptions and stereotypes, both positive and negative, about what um, Scotland football fans are. So 
to be honest, I was rather annoyed uh, by this trend because if you, if you go already through these posts, specifically on Facebook or website, um, my reaction has always been, well, that's, that's not uh, my experience of the Scotland Fund. And this stereotype, I would say stereotype, um, this is not the way uh, Scotland funds actually are. Um, a problem, this is a probably a general problem, I would say, in the way that Scotland funds are portrayed abroad. But it is just the, the idea of, uh, uh, of a drunkard um, walking around, staggering around Europe and dressing a kill more interested in parking uh, than anything else, which is definitely an element, uh, but it is not uh, like that. There is much more than that. So what I wanted to do was trying in to provide Italian readers, anyone actually interested in Scottish football in general and Scotland national team specifically, um, a solid, I would say, um, history and description of what it is actually about. So it was interesting for me to clarify some points and maybe a little bit more um, accurate uh, than the general um, portrait of the uh, Scotland fans get here So this is what sparked me to sit down in front of a computer and start gathering information, uh, documents and papers, interviewing people, um, and then trying to put everything together into, into a book. So. That's it, positive. This is the reason why I wanted to to write down about uh, this topic. And if I to be honest, I also wanted it to be like a, a tribute to a team and to uh, support that it is still playing. They, they still play an important part in my life as a football fan. So it was also a tribute uh, in a way to to say thank you for twenty years of uh, memories and hopefully years to. 20, 20 more, <laughs> probably, hopefully, a little bit more successful than the ones we had uh, since one point for France 98. Well, at least we had a more recent um, experience where it was um, good for you by qualifying years. Kevin, when you hear Mauro um, talking about his book there, um, you know, just, you know, was that, how surprised are you when you hear that um, someone from um, another country wants to write about Scottish football and them? Um, you know, I take it Mauro must have spoke to you at some point when he was writing the book. Yeah, he did. Um, I think, uh, I'll, I'll be honest here, I'm not one of these people who love to dwell in the 19th century. Scotland gave the game of the world type stuff. But I do feel that um, for the size of country Scotland is, I don't think any other countries had the success that Scottish club teams have had in the past in Europe uh, and I think whilst we can sometimes think that football is life or death, uh, it is deeply ingrained in Scottish culture and I know it's deeply ingrained in other countries' culture and I think um, we've got a very interesting story to tell not just back from the 19th century but right through post-war etc etc uh, the impact of the game and it's good and it's bad and also how Scots are seen abroad uh, via through the football fans and um, 
the, the one thing that frustrates me about Mauro is because I can't read Italian. So I can't actually uh, read what he's got to say because I think it'll be very, very interesting. And I know through speaking to Mauro, um, he's an original thinker. And whilst he can come at a topic uh, that he's passionate about, he will be neutral, he will be rational, and he will be very considered in what he writes. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a fair point. I mean, uh, I can read a little bit of Italian, but I'm not going to lie to you, I would not be able to read as much, <laughs> half as much as what he's written. Uh, I can get just about past uh, Tony Macaroni's Italian menu, a lot of the Italians available. Um, so, <laughs> so moving on from that, obviously, uh, Kevin, you've obviously, have you got, have you two got any more books in the bundle, Mario? You've mentioned that you've got 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 one in the in the in the pipeline. Kevin, have you got any planned coming out soon or? Yeah, uh, I've I've drawn up the I've drawn up the plot uh, of a third book. Uh, unfortunately, I uh, I lost the notebook. I left the plot in, so I literally lost the plot. Boom boom. So no, uh, the second the second book. Uh, there's a bit of involvement in Scotland and Northern Ireland, and. Um, I've got. I've got to admit, uh, people. I'm fascinated by people that have done military service, especially officers. Don't ask me why. It's a really weird thing. And um, I think. I think there's there's more in the the Scotland, Northern Ireland to be mined. And so I'm looking at 2002, 2003, uh, the trip to Hong Kong for those two Mickey Mouse friendlies, and then the playoff in 2003 where we get gubbed in uh, Amsterdam and this is based on if I, this is this is a story which uh, whilst it might seem incredible is actually true and this triggered the, the thought for the third book uh, a fan a fan came back from the game in Amsterdam and to set the story up he'd uh, he'd walked out at 4-0 could take it and uh, he got into a bar in Amsterdam and he met two guys from Northern Ireland and he'd throw his ticket on the table, had a couple of drinks, and then left. So on the Friday, uh, the police are at his door. And uh, they said to him, hello, I was wondering if you could tell us where you've been. And they went, what's this about? And he went, just tell us where you've been. He says, well, because we know you've been in Amsterdam. He goes, what? And it transpired that the ticket that he'd thrown on the table had been found in the pocket of a murder victim in Northern Ireland on the Thursday. And so this is a true story. The police were looking to find out where he'd been, what his alibi was, because they, they couldn't believe that he'd done it. And I thought that was such a great story uh, that I'm going to try and use it. And so what, what I'm going to try and do in the third book, spoiler alert, uh-huh, uh, is that um, you know some somebody will buy, somebody will organise to get the tickets for a group of people, but then they'll get the tickets, then they'll dish them out, but your ticket will still be allocated against you in the SFA records. So what I'm going to do is somebody somebody will steal a ticket to try and frame a Scotland fan for murder, but then they'll have picked the wrong person. So. We'll save, you. we'll save you from giving any more of your plot away. People go and buy it, just go buy it. <laughs> It'll be worthwhile, yeah. I can promise you that much. Um, yeah. 
So I know, given that your, your I think it's, is it, your last book is obviously is given money, yeah, the proceeds are going to um, the Sunshine Appeal. Um, yeah. Is that so? What made you, apart from it being an incredibly kind gesture to, to everyone involved, what what made you think of that? Just I'm just gonna give it all to Sunshine Appeal. What, um, what was your inspiration? Um, the inspiration behind that. Well, they, they they do they do a lot of very good work uh, abroad. Um, you really you really can't uh, fathom how much of an impact they have. And um, the other thing as well is like, as I, I think Mauro will probably agree, you don't you don't get rich writing books. So I think I think they were probably able to get two bottles of Calpol uh, with uh, the proceeds from the first book. But uh, no, um, no, it's. Uh, no, I, I, like I, I don't. I, it's not. It's not enough. Like clearly, if Hollywood comes knocking, I'll be keeping the film rights to myself, right? That's not going to any kids. I can assure you. Right? <laughs> but uh, no, um, no. It just it just seemed a decent thing to do. I know the people that uh, are involved with it. They're all decent types. Um, Paul Smith, John Daly, um, and they work incredibly hard. Uh, so that's, a, that's an incredibly kind of doing that. Trust me, I know you do not get rich writing books. Trust me. Um, <laughs> so, for you two going forward, um, is this Scotland fan today like a constant inspiration to you, for, especially if you're writing, for Mario, for, for what you're trying to do? Is it every game, do you ever get to that point where you're kind of at a game, you think, oh, it's, it's just a little bit, this isn't he? Have you ever been to a game that does feel right? If you know what I mean, the atmosphere, or is you? No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Several times, mainly at Hamden, I've got to admit. <laughs> but um, no, um, like if you, if you actually go back to the last time we played in San Marino, Mauro talked to us at our first meeting. But uh, the atmosphere at that last game in San Marino with uh, Alec McLeish, that was just terrible. <laughs> like. Uh, I was. I went to. Uh, I went to get a bottle of water, and I was disappointed. The queue wasn't bigger. You know, I was going to get back. <laughs> get back to watching it. And then uh, I was a steward on a bus, and I left. I left. I made my excuses for ten minutes, saying, "Oh yeah, better go and get. Uh, make sure the bus is all right. You know, just just to get out of here. You know, it's just rotten. It really was. That is a that is a good segue into my next question. What is of all the Scotland games you've been to, what has been the worst one to physically attend? And I know half of them is not actually defeats out with that Kazakhstan defeat. Uh, what would you say the worst uh, worst game that you've been to as a Scotland fan? Okay, uh, right. I'm going, to, I'm going to sound really old here because I am really old. But uh, in, 1979, in 1979, I went to see us play in Brussels. And before I die, I would actually like to see us win in Brussels because I've always just seen us pump right and in 1979 I arrived I got an overnight boat train yeah I got an overnight ferry so I arrived in Brussels at some like half past five in a freezing uh, winter's morning and I think Douglas get kicked up in there twice in the first 20 minutes Belgium used to have this hatchet man called Renkin so uh, we get beat 2-0 and I get the I get the boat train back. I got a ferry back overnight. I was in Brussels. I was in Belgium for less than twenty-four hours. I was frozen stiff for most of the twenty-four hours, and uh, that was it. That was that was got to be the worst. Yeah, terrible. Belgium. <laughs> 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 
Uh, Mario, what's uh, what? What gone? Same question. What would you say your worst game's been so far? Uh, well, you better be honest. Um, I never had bad experiences uh, watching Scotland in terms of um, the, the trip in itself. Uh, Football-wise, I've seen quite a few games which were far from impressive. Um, I would say that Lithuania, the, when we draw Neil Neil in Kaunas, I think it was 2012, maybe 2011, and that was really an awful game of football. Um, same thing was in Liechtenstein, and the last time we played in Vaduz, Scotland won one nil. But in terms of the game itself, the, it was a matter of the sooner it's over, the better. Uh, so there are quite a few games where you leave the ground and you wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's just for the football. Um, and, so, and sometimes, unfortunately, uh, people say that football uh, should not be allowed to spoil the party. Well, in some cases it does. And really, after a few games, I really was not in the mood to celebrate or to uh, go to a, a, any club or any pub for more drinks. Uh, like, for example, when Scotland lost to uh, Netherlands, and that was a matter of the sooner I can get back to, to my hotel, and the better. Uh, but in general, I would say that, that there is never, I never had any bad experience in terms of trips. Uh, and actually, probably some of my best memories of going uh, away, not just for the football, also for the music or for tourism or just for a weekend out with my friends, are most of them are connected with trips I took to, to follow Scotland abroad or, or in Glasgow. Yeah. Well, um, you started it off that by talking about uh, Lithuania, Mauro, so that brings me on a, um, a Twitter question from someone called Nortelina. Can you ask Kevin what his least favourite Scotland away venue was and why he chose Lithuania, uh, Kenneth? Right, well, there's actually a story about that match that Mauro started off with in uh, the 2012 uh, because I uh, I actually booked them my outbound flight for three weeks after the date the game. And I didn't realise this until I was checking in. And uh, apparently it was a very good one to miss from what I could make out. But the biggest laugh was people were asking me, did I use the return? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to take a step back and reconsider that question? You know? I mean... So, uh, yeah, that was not my finest moment. But... uh, Kaunas is one of those places that a nuclear bomb could only improve, you know. <laughs> if I pay a bike, is it not? Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I think it's going, is it not going for European city of culture? So it's Paisley. Well, <laughs> Paisley, Paisley's got a better chance. Paisley deserves it more. Uh, that's, uh, to be fair, it deserves something. Um, so, I know, Maro, you said what your first Scotland game was, which was San Marino, which you said is close to where you are, but it's four hours, which I imagine is probably about the same it is on a flight from Glasgow, to be fair. Uh, so, Kevin, what was your first Scotland game? We won't have uh, 1976, uh, Scots were hey, spread them, Ray, as a <laughs> batter once said, when uh, Doug Leach poked it through Ray Clements' legs. So. Good first game. 
That is a, that is a good first game. It's much better than last first game, which was uh, <laughs> Norway. Because we don't do mist. Nail up. Mine was uh, San Marino and a 4 0 win that we qualify for year 92. Um, that was my first. Although, I suppose technically the first kind of Scotland game I'd been to was a Scotland versus the Scottish Football League select in um, 1990 to select the SFL's 100 years. But that's a forgettable game of football that just doesn't count in the calendar. So. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it as forgettable as the famous 0 0 with the USA 2013? Because that was, that, was, that was brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know anyone actually went to that game because no. <laughs> you bring it up in. Only thing that happened is GMS got a cap, uh, got a cap in like the first minute. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what a moment to be proud of. Um, so we've gone through the worst moments. What's your best moment as a Scotland fan, apart from beating England at every opportunity? Um, my, my my personal best moment would be something which doesn't actually revolve around the game. Um, I get asked to go and pick up an award in Monte Carlo in 1998. And I've got I've got to tell people to sit down before I tell them this story because it's so utterly incredible. But the SFA sprang for two business class seats, Jesus. which I think were actually made for the SFA officials. And there was one there was one economy seat, which I think was made for me. But the lovely Marjorie Nimmo, she sat in economy. She gave me the business flight. Ringo Starr and Barbara Bach got off the same flight from London to Nice, and then. I was, I was saying, so what, are we getting the train? They went, no, we've not got time. We're getting a helicopter. And like my jaw hit the ground. And sure enough, walked over to the heliport and courtesy of the SFA, I was flown to Monte Carlo in a helicopter. And we went to an awards evening at the Sporting Club de Monaco. And I shared a stage with Peter Ustinov, picked up the award. And next day, we flew back to Nice in a helicopter and then came back uh, to Heathrow. So as a Scotland fan, I was picking up an award which the French uh, media had given to Scotland fans because of their behaviour at France 98. And um, that would be my proudest ever moment. No pressure, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, mate. <laughs> Yeah, Mauro, your favourite um, Scotland game? Uh, well, if I could pick up one, it probably, uh, probably be when Scotland won uh, against France in Glasgow. Unfortunately, I wasn't lucky enough to attend the game in Paris, but it was in Glasgow. And it was also a fun story in the sense that um, I was due to uh, graduate from university just a couple of weeks after the game. So what I did was telling my parents that I was going to Bologna to carry on some researches for my dissertation thesis while I was actually traveling to Bergamo first with uh, Mario, Morat and a few other friends. And then I boarded a flight into uh, Glasgow to attend the game. So it was like a being there without actually being there. So I wasn't able to actually come back home and Tell my parents what a great, uh, great game it was and what great memories of I brought back from Glasgow. It was fantastic three days and I remember that after the game, the queue to get back into the city centre by train was so, so huge that we decided to walk back instead. 
And that's one of my favorite memories of attending Scotland games, which should be considered fun uh, or a bit odd to have a walk back from Ampton into Glasgow City Centre as a favorite memory. But I don't know if it was the, the joy for that famous victory or uh, the points we had or whatever, but I still remember that walk back um, with a few friends um, crossing the Clyde uh, at night with all the lights reflecting on the car itself and then getting back into the city center where everyone uh, was just talking about the game. Uh, the highlights spread on pretty much every TV screen in any pub. Uh, newspapers and evening edition were coming out um, reporting about the game. So it was probably the best uh, memories and the best atmosphere I've ever experienced uh, at the game and the same after the game as well. So really, I would, I would pen down that one as my favorite um, Scotland game and probably Scotland trip ever. Excellent. And um, I've got another question from um, Josh, one of our regulars to you, Mauro, and he asks, um, who are your favorite Scottish players to have played in Serie A or Serie B? Uh, well, um, at the moment, I think the probably um, my favorite Scottish player who played in Italy is Grand Sunas. Uh, just because I was too young to remember uh, those who played before him. And Grand Sunas, but then he was, uh, was starting to get an interest in football. And he was the one who radically stood out. And that, that would probably be my, my favorite. I don't have a specific recollection really of. Uh, of him playing, um, but I still I do remember him uh, because back then it was just a couple of uh, foreign players allowed for every club. So we we as a kid used to remember pretty much all of them, and it was still a matter uh, back then of uh, a few people made mis- mistaken for for an Englishman, uh, and a few it was just a few people who were actually able to tell the difference between a Scotsman and, and an Englishman. Um, so he stood out as as a player and a, as a Scotsman. So we were not used to have that many uh, Scotsmen playing in our league. So I would definitely pick up Grand Tunis. I'm not going to lie to you. People are going to now assume that you're ever a Rangers fan or a Sampdoria fan. So <laughs> you've you outed yourself there. So uh, no. <laughs> there's a story about uh, about Grand Tunis that when he played with Sampdoria, it was. Um, made very welcome uh, and when Scotland uh, were preparing for the Italy 90 World Cup they chose to travel to Genoa and attend a Genoa derby just to try to get familiar with the atmosphere they would, uh, they would find during the World Cup and of course Grand Sooner um, traveled uh, along with the, with the squad and the story is that all the players and the staff actually paid for their tickets to attend the general derby, even if they were basically part of an official uh, party uh, making let's say logistic uh, arrangements for the for the World Cup. So uh, they attended the general derby back in uh, early 1990, and they actually all of them paid for for the tickets to watch the match, which is quite strange for for um, for a football team. And the uh, the other John asks um, a different kind of question to you, Mauro. Um, he asks, 
Do you think any of the current Scottish squad would get into the Italy lineup, current European champions Italy, and if so, who? Uh, I would say just um, probably Robertson, who plays a top top class player, so he'd probably make it. Uh, probably he would definitely make it uh, in the in the starting eleven. Um, I would also say McDonnell if played uh, as a left back, probably. He's still, uh, he's still a very good player, and at the moment Italy uh, just going through uh, some changes in uh, back in the defense, so he might even make it as a, uh, in the starting lineup. Yeah, those two probably will will uh, would be a definitely top class player, and they will probably make it in uh, Italy. Yeah. Kevin, is there anyone else um, that Mauro's missing that you think would get into the current European Champions squads? I mean, that probably sums up the level that one or two of our players are at that we're considering that question. Well, I know I'm some a bit biased, so I'll go for John McGinn. <laughs> and uh, I think um, what he brings to the game is he brings a sort of street smartness and he also brings a fantastic attitude. And a real will to win. So um, I can. I'm also a Chelsea fan, so I can assure you that uh, an awful lot of Chelsea fans are bewildered about how Jorginho is viewed as such a great player. And uh, I think if you gave me a choice between the two, I'd take John again. So, totally biased. <laughs> Last bit of fun, so I'll take John again. That's the point. As Don Quixote once said, there's a uh, you need to share salt with your friend. What's the best food you had at a halftime game? Oh, abroad. I went, not I went. I went to an under twenty one tournament in Portugal in two thousand and seven, and they had these <laughs> marinated pork steaks, which they did in like hand baked rolls, and they were to die for. I had two. I've got to admit, and that was the best. That was the best I've ever had. That's 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 what you need in Scottish football. Bend the pies, get marinated steak, pork steak rolls, and that's the way ahead. I remember there was a fantastic barbecue in Liechtenstein, um, just under the main stand in Badut, and we had a few. Uh, it was nine of us traveled to Badut, and at, at a certain at a certain moment, we had like. Uh, Half of the people who traveled with me in the game, they were the were not watching the game. They were in the barbecue stand, in the, in the stall under the stand because they say they never had anything like that in terms of quality. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I would I would also say that for me, um, Hampton pies are quite good. <laughs> you're the only man to ever say that, and you're Italian. <laughs> so I still I, every time I travel to Hampton, I make a point of having. A couple of hunting pies, still like them. Yeah. Maybe because we do not have them in Italy, so uh, <laughs> it's something that something that that that. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to that. I look forward to the playoff in late March to enjoy uh, another one. <laughs> so, uh, I've got to ask you, Mario, what's your opinion on uh, pizza crunches, like uh, deep fried pizzas? What's your opinion on those? I don't know. I don't uh, know. You mean. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it is. Um, well, I, I just don't take that into consideration. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and they no, it's uh, it's something that, of course, I never And uh, for us, it is, it is something that is difficult to figure out. Figure out. So uh, it is also the fact that uh, it is not just just that; it's the fact that you you did try pretty much everything. So um, for us, I was I was in Edinburgh once, and after the hard. St. Johnston, I think it was Litka. So we just stopped and um, chip shop for something to eat. Uh, I asked for a cheeseburger, and what I got was a deep fried uh, meatball. And I said, well, that's not what cheeseburger, uh, that, that, that's not what I remember a cheeseburger is. But, so I just leave it to you. And <laughs> Just, I probably never ask for a cheeseburger again. Uh, one, <laughs> avoid the chippy, avoid the chippy, mate. Um, <laughs> that's a uh, so, going on, Mario, we're going to have to ask each of you to do a six-a-side team. Uh, the only requirement on this is it needs to have a goalkeeper. And John's put down that it must be a player that's played at a major tournament, but I'm more relaxed than that. So, Mario, as we've only been at one major tournament since you decided to be a Scotland fan, uh, you um, hate yourself. Yeah, Mauro's was um, to pick a six-side based on Italian players who have played in Scottish football, and Kevin's was um, oh, yeah to pick a player from each tournament for the six-side. So, uh, we've got that. <laughs> okay, what's up to you? <laughs> go on, Tim. Okay, uh, I'll go for Alan Ruff and goal. Uh, met him lovely lovely guy uh, Grant Hanley because he's like me he's from Dumfries uh, John McGinn Ali McCoist Paul McStay and Pat Nevin it's a bit bit attack based but um, sexy side who takes that serious who would you have as the manager <laughs> um, I can tell you I wouldn't have as the manager Craig Bloody Levine sorry for saying yeah. oh, <laughs> Most attacking manager, no, uh, uh, no, I would have I would have our current manager because he's such a star and he played for Chelsea. Fair enough. Mario, on you go. Oh, uh, if, I, if I be honest, I just picked up five because there are not not that many Italian players who uh, played in Scotland. So, and I don't think there is never been any goalkeeper, Italian goalkeeper, playing in Scotland. If I correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, well, I picked up um, Donati, which is like Celtic. That's because he's a local guy. He's from my area. And he was born like uh, 50, 50 minutes drive from where I live. And so uh, it's a local guy, so it was uh, necessary for me to pick him. And then I would go for Marco De Marchi. Probably no one ever knows who he is. He played for Dundee a couple of seasons across, I think, 2000, 2001. Dundee FC. And that's because uh, his, family, uh, his family is from the same area as my dad. So when I was a kid, uh, I used to meet him um, in town. And when, when he used to play for Bologna, then he moved to Juventus and he was kind enough to send me a few postcards that were signed by a few Juventus players. So unfortunately, then we um, I'm no longer in touch with him. But uh, he played a couple of seasons for Dundee, so I think I picked him up. Uh, then I found down, of course, Amoruso 
for, uh, of course, I guess it's, it's strange because I'm a little bit, I think it's still important for Scottish football or it, it, it's just being recognized um, by Scotland. Well, it is not very um, famous here in Italy and pretty much no one knows the importance he had in, in Scottish football. Um, then I pick up Gattuso, uh, of course. Um, that's because he managed a team that I do not like uh, here in Italy. But at the same time, I think that the, um, the integrity of the man is behind, behind any doubt, uh, beyond question. Uh, I think we should have, I wish we had more players like him here in Italy and also more football, uh, footballers like him um, in, our, in our football. Um, then I would say Bicanio. Uh, Bicanio is another um, person that you either love him or hate him. But at the same time, I think that, again, he, what a lot of people here in Italy see in him is that he's not just a player, uh, regardless of your opinion of uh, his behaviors outside the pitch or his, or his ideas behind the pitch, outside the pitch. It's also more a fun playing football rather than a professional footballer. So this is what a lot of people, uh, um, this is what people appreciate for. And I really picked up this five, so there is one missing. So if you have any suggestion uh, about yeah, any, I'm not to say uh, Ravanelli. <laughs> oh, Ravanelli, yeah, as well. <laughs> but I think he's going in goals. Right. Ravanelli went to many places in Dundee. He could possibly have been in goal at some point. So <laughs> I'm try- yeah, I'm trying to think who what there was if there was a um, Italian goalkeeper in Scottish football. I think O'Malley had someone when um, the Italian manager um, was there for a wee bit, but I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I really don't think it was any, but I'm, I might be wrong. Uh, we want somewhere. So if anyone, if anyone knows of any Italian goalkeepers that play in Scottish football, just um, tweet us at SFF Podcast. Um, Kevin, I need, I need to ask, you've obviously been to was it four World Cups and three Euros. Um, yeah. What's um, What, in your opinion, is the best tournament? I know it's hard to choose, but what's the best tournament of those you've been to and why? Uh, well, I believe somebody's written a book that's coming out this year about my yeah. favourite tournament. Was that, oh, is that your number one? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely a correct answer. That, that was not deliberately late, <laughs> um, and uh, you've also made some good contributions, but we'll save that for the book. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Euro 92, and um, I'd, unfortunately, I think about 80% of what I told John would have to be edited because um, it would be parental advice required. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, no, Euro 92. Um, I thought we had a good team, we gave a good go. Thought possibly the Italian 90 squad was stronger, but um, after the debacle against Costa Rica, there was no way back to a certain extent. But uh, no, no. Um, like last year, last year was just almost surreal at times. You know, uh, the whole match experience. Uh, so Euro '92 in Sweden, definitely. Anybody and anybody that was there, I can assure you, would agree. Well, the people that I've spoken to for for the book, um, most of them are pretty much on the same page with that. So, um, and thanks again for your contribution to that, Kevin. That's appreciated. 
we should say John has got a book coming out and it is out yeah. soon. Yeah, well, I've got to say that um, I'm, I'm amongst three authors just now. I haven't quite got there yet. My book isn't out. So <laughs> in a few months' time, we'll be able to say I'm an author as well with you guys. Right. I'm talking to my company. I'm absolutely an author. Uh, if I'm doing anything else, I'm a physiotherapist. <laughs> it makes my insurance category cheaper. Um, so, so we're moving on from insurance, which is boring. Uh, yeah, join the club. <laughs> it is terrible. So, Kevin, I've got to ask this. Who is your favourite ever Scotland manager? Who do you think is the worst that you've ever witnessed? Well, um, I was speaking to somebody about this last night, and I think um, Jock Steen uh, just is up there, Colossus of the Scottish game, etc, etc, etc. But if I could go back to one, Mr Craig Levine. <laughs> I had the misfortune of following Scotland all around the world under his tutelage, and it was an embarrassment. And prime, prime example for the prosecution would be 5-1 in Jacksonville. And we came back, and uh, Chick Young was doing an interview with previous Scotland managers. It was a a series of about five programmes, half an hour in length, and it's the closest I've come to throwing a radio through my window when Craig Levine came on and described the trip to Jacksonville as a golfing trip. And admittedly, they played like they were extremely handicapped. But uh, no, clueless. Man out of his depth. He's admitted that he didn't know what he was meant to be doing. And you're thinking scouting players, you know, that sort of stuff. So no, the worst, the pits. The very bottom, at the bottom of a well under the backside of a frog, Craig Levine. Worse than Alex McLeish's second time round experiment? Uh, Alex McLeish's second time round was just, they shouldn't have been given a job. That's, yeah. That's, that's kind of correct. <laughs> yeah. But in, in McLeish's defence, he does blood again more and. Um, <laughs> You know some of the other um, some of the other ones. So um, Andy got us into that playoff that got us to um, um, the Euros. Ultimately, was um, both George oh, Burley, yeah. Whereas both George Burley and Craig Levine took over a decent squad and made an absolute pig zero. But that's why I will always argue that they were worse than better votes. Yeah, yeah. Because I think with better votes, he just came when it was at the bottom of the curve in terms of talent. Um, you look at you look at the players like he was just he was just throwing mud at a wall and hoping some of it stuck, you know, because the the number of caps that were given out to players who clearly were nowhere near international standard was uh, scandalous. But hey ho, you get a cap, you get a cap, you get a cap, and you get. Yeah. Oh, why did you support Scotland during the two thousand period? <laughs> you, you became a Scotland fan just as uh, Bertie Volts
but in general terms, he's traveling with Scotland gave me the chance to travel around Europe, uh, have plenty of memories, and meet a lot of people that became friends over the years. So um, again, I never had a very, I, I never had a bad Scotland trip. So regardless of the result, I always came back home with something to treasure something that made me want to come back again uh, as soon as possible. Again, regardless of the score and the results and the failures and the disappointment, yeah, they're definitely part of being or, or, or traveling abroad with Scotland as people like Kevin can, of course, confirm. Um, so that was it, Pastor. It is always a matter of, after you start going, or especially for people like me who travel from abroad, and when you start going, it's not just a matter of going out with your friends. It's just like uh, uh, going out and see what happens, at least the first couple of times. But after that, you start to meet people and make friendships that make it worthwhile, regardless of, of what happened on the pitch. Even if the football itself remains the, the most important thing and the focus of the trip itself. So, um, this 20 years following Scotland might not have been um, extremely su- successful on the pitch, but for what concerns the, the general uh, experience, I would say, or maybe the the the, the, the what connects with the fun culture more than than the game itself, probably being the best 20 years of my life. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have one question for you. It would be remiss to ask an Italian in the land of stylish football kits in Syria this question. So I've got it off Twitter. It is, what is the best and the worst Scotland kits in your time as a Scotland fan? The, 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 the kit? The kit? I mean, yeah. Best. Uh, uh, the best? Aye. Uh, the best, for me, I'll pick up the one for uh, France 98, probably. Not, not just for the not just for the design, I would say just for the importance, because back then it was like a, I mean, the, the, the old world was watching when Scotland came into play uh, against Brazil. So I would say that's probably the best for its important uh, importance and for its meaning. That's the I mean for for the one picking up from the ones that I actually remember. Uh, Remember, team Scotland played with. Man of style. Uh, yeah, by the way, John, I know John's got a question. Yeah, I've just got one more. For, um, <clears throat> so, to both of you, um, you've both also been to a lot of Scotland games um, abroad. So, out of the games that you've been to abroad, what's the best stadium that you've been to? I would say Dortmund. Dortmund has been brilliant. It was my first time there when Scotland played in 2014. Um, it's very impressive. It is impressive from the outside, and even more when you get you get in. Um, it looks huge, and I think it is it can ignite atmosphere like any other ground I've been I've been to. Uh, San Siro in Milan. It's also quite nice but i've already been there a couple of times maybe uh, i i did knew what to expect when scotland played there while dortmund was definitely uh something new and 
absolutely amazing. Amazing. And same question to you, Kevin. Uh, I've got to admit, I really liked that stadium in Warsaw. And um, I think I think we're in a, a really in, invidious position with Hamden, which is a complete bodge job. And because most of these countries in Eastern Europe, the stadiums were, for want of a better word, decrepit. They had to up their game substantially because of the Euros that they hosted. And so they've now got state-of-the-art and Scotland's got state-of-the-art, boom, boom, you know. <laughs> uh, and I think I think the other thing at uh, Hamden is I think there's a marked reluctance to move the pitch, uh, sorry, move the stands close to the pitch. Um, and I don't know, <laughs> well, you don't, want, you don't want to think too badly, but I've often wondered if that is really is the case because I just expected fans to come on and batter each other. So, but that still happens even when you've got a running track. But I don't. I really don't know what you're going to do about Hamden, uh, the national stadium. Is it required, etc., etc.? So I'm getting my high horse here. But uh, the other the other stadium I really liked was uh, the Genoa Stadium, and that's where I saw possibly my best ever away game. The uh, victory over Sweden in the 1990 World Cup. Definitely the best atmosphere. That's a stadium I'd love to go to. Um, because I, 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 we, uh, me and my wife went to Genoa um, as part of the cruise that we were on. Um, so I'd love to go back to Genoa as a, as a place for a couple of days. It looks amazing. Um, I'm just going off on a tangent there. Uh, before I ask you, um, last um, last question to you, Kev. Um, just want to put a word out. Um, we're thinking about Clark Gillis right now um, because of everything that's going on in Ukraine because his family's obviously out there. So I just wanted to give that wee shout to Clark and hopefully everything um, comes good. And I see he's received a lot of donations um, since he put a request 24 hours ago. So that's good to see. Um, Kevin, um, with regards to your book, Le Kilt, just um, for anyone listening who might be interested, where can they buy it? Uh, they can buy it on Amazon, in paperback or on Kindle. And you can also buy it at www.tasunshineappeal.scot. And if you buy it at the Sunshine Appeal website, I will sign the copy that you get sent. So if that's not an incentive to buy, I don't know what is. Absolutely. Uh, Mario, where can people get your book if they can read Italian? I don't think they learn to read Italian. I can read Spanish. My family's <laughs> Well, the book is in Italian, and you can buy it pretty much on every um, online platform like Amazon or I think uh, IBS, which is probably any fun stuff, uh, or at the through the uh, publisher website, which is eclectica.com. Uh, we are actually not working to, but thinking about trying to make it uh, uh, translated into English. And then see if there is a chance to have it released in, uh, in Scotland as well. Uh, we'll see what the future brings uh, regarding that, because of course, translating from Italian into English is a little bit difficult <laughs> for, for me uh, uh, to, to try to make it, uh, to provide an accurate uh, translation of what has been written in Italian. So we'll see what the future brings. Absolutely. Good luck with that. Uh... Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining us, all the way from Italy, Central European time and all that jazz. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been, been a pleasure. Um, again, I'm really privileged to take part in this podcast. Thank you very much.
You're more than welcome back anytime. Uh, hopefully, your next 20 years of support Scotland will not be as depressing as your first 20 years. So that is <laughs> the, the commitment's already been shown, my friend. Commitment's already shown. Uh, Kevin, again, equally, thank you so much to, to you for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Welcome back anytime. John, you're the boss. You're always, you're always back. <laughs> I mean, Sam, the boss, mate. There's only one boss, John. That's the other one. <laughs> Depends who you're talking to. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, people. Please follow us on all the social media platforms that we currently possess. Follow everyone that we linked in the thing. Uh, until next time, thank you and bye. Thank you.